The By the Hood podcast is brought to you by Discover Your Options. Getting started with trading options may seem intimidating, but with the Discover Your Options bootcamp, you'll be up to speed faster than you could have ever imagined. No matter what your ultimate goal is, learn the basic skills and gain all the confidence needed to ultimately win in the exciting world of options. Go to By the Hood University and click on the link for Discover Your Options to receive the code for 60% off the bootcamp. That's right, 60% off. Remember, go to Buy the Hood University, look at Discover Your Options, and get 60% off. What's up, people? Welcome to this episode of the Buy the Hood podcast or webcast because I don't know how you're consuming this content. I'm your host as always. My name is Jimmy. And as we start off every show, that's with gratitude. Just want to say thank you to all of our supporters, all of our followers, uh, those that cop our merch, and specifically all of our students from By the Hood University. We appreciate all of the support. I'm joined by my partner, Crime as always, Corey. What's up, brother? Man, you know, living a dream, which is living. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's right, man. How the Midwest treat you, man? You still you still get adjusted out there or what? Nah, man, it's hot as balls out here. <laughs> too hot for you? It's, too, 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 it's a different kind of heat, huh? Yeah, man, this shit's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's what's up, man. But everybody knows that our platform is designed to highlight brothers and sisters who are doing amazing work in the community, whether that's business, activism, whatever it may be. We want to highlight them and have a conversation with them. And we have a very special guest. This brother is also in the Midwest. Um, and, and I follow a lot, a lot of what he does on social media, and I like his perspective and what he teaches. Um, this is a real estate investor and, and, and educator. We got the brother Ed Davis in the building. Ed, how are you? I'm doing pretty good, man. Uh, I want to say thanks for having me on, man. This is, I've been watching you guys for several months now. I'm like, man. Appreciate that. like the Appreciate content that. over there, man. It really, really hit yeah. home. And I pay attention to your content, too. And I'm going to start with this before we get into your background. One of the things I like about what you do, um, because there's a lot of people that talk about real estate investing. Um, You know, I'm a real estate investor. Corey owns real estate as well. But I like I like one of the things that you always focus on, which is interesting to me is um, and it's funny because I've never seen seen anyone put it this way. I mean, we've said it a couple of times in our content, but you actually stress this and you say, don't be a landlord. And I'm like, okay, so where's he going with this? Don't be a landlord. Be the CEO of a real estate business. And I like that. I like the way you put it. Um, and that's what intrigued me and made me start watching more of your content. I said, okay, so he's on the same tip, like, you know, building out systems. And me and Corey talk about systems all the time. Um, but with that being said, let's start with your background, though. Where are you originally from? Um, and, and, and what was your schooling like? Where'd you come from and all that? All right. So I'm from Houston, Texas, born and raised. And um, I, I grew up in South Park, which is one of the hoods of Houston. And, but all of my family was entrepreneurs. So, you know, my grandpa owned the hardware store. That's why I got the toolbox in my office. <laughs> and um, so I just kind of grew up in the family owned businesses. That was the way that they kept me out of trouble. Um, and so I, I grew up with this hustle, this drive, but I didn't really like having to do so much manual labor, like driving forklifts, packing cement bags, 80 pound bags of cement, loading lumber, stuff like that. And uh, so I, I went down the path of, all right, I'm going to go to college, get this engineering degree, because I think that's going to be the easy life. Long story short, it turned out that I wasn't built for corporate America. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I, I was just defying all the rules. And so that's when I got into real estate. That was like in 2007. I started really investing in myself, reading books, taking courses, all of that stuff. And uh, got into the game in 2012. 
you know, it took me a little while to, to get out there. I felt like, oh, man, I got to steady up first. Mm-hmm. I got into the game in 2012 with my first duplex. And then, like you said, focused on the process, the system, the team. And I scaled that up to 215 doors. I'm in uh, three different states, Texas, Florida, and Michigan. And it's all automated. I don't do any other landlord stuff, no tenants, no toilets. Just manage my team and, you know, sit on autopilot. That's amazing. That's, an, that's amazing right there. Um, so let's start with this, though. It's interesting the time you started, 2007. That's right before everything, like, went to shit. <laughs> but, yeah. um, but so it took you five years to get started, right? And I know how sometimes people can have, you know, um, paralysis by analysis. Yeah. What was it that finally made you just take that hurt, that, that, that leap and just jump into it? Yeah. You know, I was, I was always trying, and I think I was making progress along the way. So my very first uh, attempted deal was in 2007. Right. So I came out there and I'm like, wow, I hate my job. I got to get out of this thing. I've already, you know, like my grandparents owned real estate when I was a kid. So I saw that real estate can be a path to building wealth. But the only aspect of it I ever saw was uh, my dad was the maintenance man for them. So I grew up going with my pops to their properties doing the maintenance. I was like, I'm not fucking with real estate at yeah. all. Look like something else to you. Exactly. Look like work, man. <laughs> you know, I'm hot water heaters, rekeying locks. <laughs> so so that was that was kind of my understanding of real estate. But when I got to the job and I hated the job, and to me, as an engineer, those that's one of those jobs they tell us like that's the good job. You go after that. Engineer, lawyer, doctor. So I just started to assess and I'm like, if I'm if I'm what society says is towards the top of this totem pole and I still feel like it's shit, does it get better from here? You know, and so that's what pushed me back into real estate because I remember, you know, my grandpa had some properties, he sold them for a million dollars a piece, and it was like, dang, I saw how much that changed the family. So that gave me the money to be able to pay to go to college. Now he loaned it to me, I had to pay him back, but it made that transition from me being in high school, I don't know if I'm going to go to college, to, all right, we're going to do this thing. So I saw what real estate could do in 2007 when I got frustrated with the job, which was like two weeks after being there. <laughs> I'm going to do this. You know, it's a couple of things I just took from what you just said, right? Um, one of the things is about how the younger generation, they, they see what you do more than they listen to what you're saying to them, right? So, you know, people, I tell my kids this, but what are you doing, right? You actually saw what it did for your family. You saw, you know, the entrepreneurship. You saw your grandfather sell the properties and you were paying attention to that, whether it was conscious or subconscious, you remember that. Oh, yeah. um, so that's important. That's an important gem right there. Um, next thing I want to ask you is where'd you actually go to school at? What college would you go to? I went to Prairie View A&M. Okay. Okay. HBCU out in uh, Prairie View, about 45 minutes outside of Houston. Yeah. I'll support all the HBCUs, but... That's interesting. And you went for engineering. Um, does it, let me ask you this, though. Um, it might be yes or no, but does the engineering background help you at all with your business? Oh, 1,000%. How does it help you? Uh, just me being comfortable with numbers, me being uh, comfortable with complex situations, using creativity. I always, I always say that um, engineers create the world that they want to see. So if it doesn't exist, if, if, that, if that deal comes and it looks a certain way and that's not how I want it, I'm going to recreate it. 
and I'll come in with a different offer that still helps them, you know, it still helps the seller accomplish their goals, but also gives me where I want to be. Got you, got you. That's that's dope. Excellent. That's dope. Yeah, that's definitely dope. Um, sorry. So now here's my next question. Um, you got your first duplex. Um, how long before you started looking out of state? Really? Uh, well, let's see. Twenty twelve, about six years. Okay. I think so. So if we back up a little bit, I'll kind of tell you some of the deals that played out how we got there. Right. Mm -hmm. So uh, in 2007, I'm taking all of these courses and training and my goal is to go out and apply those things immediately. Right. And so I started assessing what do I not have? Because a lot of times I hear people say, oh, well, I don't have the credit. I don't have the money. I don't have the time or whatever. And so for me, I didn't have the time because I was working six days a week, 11 hours a day, I didn't really have time to do anything. And so I just kept pushing forward saying, this is not gonna be my excuse. So I ended up partnering with my uncle who had time and experience and I had money and credit. And so that was the, that was the first deal that I attempted, but I got scared, I backed out. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I, I mean, I'm glad it didn't mess up Thanksgiving dinner. My uncle was just like, all right, well, it was your earnest money. So if you don't want to move forward, you know, it's cool. And uh, I just appreciate him for being, you know, graceful with me during that period. But, but realistically, that first one, I was scared. I backed out. I was a little nervous about it. And so I said, all right, I'm going to need more education, more exposure. So I started jumping into different, uh, you know, real estate groups, looking at more deals, talking to realtors. And at that point, I was like, all right, I'm ready to do this thing. And then it was just a process of, like searching for, for good deals. Um, you know, life happens, you get married, you start doing all those other things, it slows mm -hmm. you down. But it was just something I just kept coming back to. Got you. So um, I know you scaled up to about 215 deals that you're invested in. Um, after you made your first acquisition, how, how did it start uh, to kind of scale up that way? Like, was it one and then it took a little bit of time for two or did you start just jumping on them right away? So, so ironically, on, on the first deal, we did that one. It actually took us a while. It was a duplex. I found a duplex. Um, it was great cash flow. It was great equity. I bought that property with uh, $60,000 of equity in it. My cash flow, a positive cash flow after all the bills were paid was $1,000 a month. And so I was like, oh, we could do this all day. <laughs> you know? And so I was actually leaving from the duplex, I had been over there painting it myself. I was still doing some things myself. I would, um, I, I had like some quick turnaround times and it wasn't an opportunity for me to find a team. So I was just going over there doing things myself in the beginning. I uh, had a property manager, but when it came to doing like painting and stuff like that, I'm like, I'll go over there and knock it out. So we were leaving the property, me and my wife, and uh, she was like, hey, they got an open house over here at some of these other properties you want to go buy. And I'm like, no, I'm covered in paint. I don't want to go nowhere. I want to go home, go to bed. Long story short, um, she convinced me to go. And we went in there. The deal was just, I, I negotiated $30,000 worth of equity in that deal. And I was like, well, I guess I can't pass it up now. Yeah. So it just kind of kept snowballing from there. Oh, that's nice. That's nice. So I, I assume that most of your um, initial purchases were close, at least close by to where you are, right? In, in Houston. All right. Absolutely. So I always, I always, um, 
like I, I coach people on how to purchase real estate now, right? My whole thing is how to get your first rental property in 90 days or less with $10,000 worth of instant equity, $1,000 worth of cash flow. And so what I tell people is always start with what you know, right? I grew up in the hood. I knew that community. That's where I went, you know? And the reason I say that is because you kind of understand the psychology of the neighborhood, of the community and how people move and flow. So it's a, it's a, a customer that you're used to working with and dealing with. And so I always say, start with what, what you know, because if you go to somebody else's neighborhood, somebody else's community, then you're trying to adapt and figure out, you know, what, what games and tricks they may play over there. Okay. Okay. So tell us about moving your business out of state. What was that like? And what made you, was it, the, was it the deal? Did you see a deal and say, Oh, this is too good to pass up. Or were you always planning on moving outside of your, um, you know, your market? Yeah. So that was actually like a real stretch on my comfort. Right. I, I went to, I moved to Detroit for three months and uh, cause my wife, she's from Detroit. So we had been looking at Detroit for several years. I was flying out there, booking hotels and stuff, just kind of scoping out the area. And our game plan was to buy a couple of blocks of real estate in Detroit. But as we were there, it just kind of didn't play out that way. Um, when we started actually bidding on properties, we realized that the whole world had the same idea. <laughs> so we, we found ourselves bidding against people in China and stuff like that. And, and we were physically boots on the ground. So we seeing the properties and I'm like, yeah. But long story short, to try to get a good return on that investment, like I said, I booked hotels, rooms, flights, all that stuff for multiple years in a row. It's like, all right, we're here for three months. I'm gonna hire this coach. And my coach is what took me to that next level. Uh, so this guy, he, he, um, he's done $2 billion worth of real estate transactions in the city of Detroit alone. Wow. Um, built casinos, hotels, entire communities, all types of stuff. And so I hired this guy to shadow him for 90 days. And what that did was really just expand my, my beliefs and understandings of what I could do. So in my head, I was like, all right, we'll keep doing this like one to four units, small stuff. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll scale it. But sitting down with this guy, being in a room, and he's pulling in city, city council members and officials and, and all of this stuff, and he's like, all right, I want you to discuss the deal. I'm like, what do you mean, me? He's like, you've been in here long enough. I know, I know how you think. Go for it. Like, all right. And so he built up my confidence, and he said, hey, what are your, what are your real goals? Tell me your wildest dreams. I'm like, nah. Like, nah, go for it. I was like, all right, well, I want to own an apartment complex when I'm like 50 or 60. And he's like, 50 or 60, why? So he literally puts me and my wife in the car, drives down the street, and he's like, I own that one and that one and that one. I, own, I bought a total of 4,400 doors in one year. <laughs> and I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's different. Yeah. And so, so he, took, he took us to an apartment complex and he was like, you can buy this one right here. I'm like, nah, he was like, I seen your balance sheet. I know the income. I know, you know, how you analyze deals. You can buy this one right here that we're standing at. 
And so he started walking me through that process of understanding how to purchase an apartment, um, how to assess it. And so I was just like, damn, I guess this is possible. Um, but I still did not buy that one because as me and my wife started to talk, we were like, look, you know, there's no doubt we can make money here, but I don't think Detroit is where we want to be. And because I don't have a team here in Detroit, that would mean that I'd constantly be flying out here. Like this would be um, a significant investment. So I would want to come out here and put my eyes on it and see how things are going. So ultimately we were like, nah, I'm not going to take that risk. But we came back to Houston and focused on building the team. And so once we had the team, it was like, all right, our team has experience in Texas. Let's do the first deal in Texas. And then we built another team. It's like, okay, they have experience in Florida. Let's do a deal in Florida. And so that's what gave me the confidence to go out of state. It is more so a confidence in my team than the asset. Okay, a couple things there. Um, one uh, that I'm taking from this conversation as far as you're not afraid. Hey, that you're not yeah, you're not afraid to invest in yourself. You talked about, you know, hiring coaches and um, also taking courses. Yeah. So I think that's important to point out that you invest in yourself, right? Outside of just your investments in properties, you invest in yourself, which is very important. Yeah, um, absolutely, man. Yeah. And the second thing is, so what made you look at Florida, right? So you talked about Florida. What made you go to Florida? So you're in Texas and I know one of the other markets is in Florida. What made you go there? So Florida, Florida is, uh, I got family in Florida. Okay. Um, my, uh, my sister-in-law, my mother-in-law and my niece. And so anytime I can get an excuse to go out there and visit them, you know, that's a write-off. I'm going to go. <laughs> Florida, Florida. The weather's nice. It's hot as shit in Houston. It's about 96 today. <laughs> yeah. He's um, not lying. <laughs> so that, that, that from a personal standpoint, that's what attracted me to Florida, but also, when I'm looking at deals, I look at the, um, the, the laws and regulations for landlords versus tenants. And, you know, is it favorable for landlords or tenants? Um, do they have state taxes? Different things like that is what said, all right, well, Florida is kind of like a, a no-brainer at this point. That's interesting because we've had a lot of real estate investors on. You know, I think you're the first person to say that um, about when you're looking at a market, what the, what, how do the, do the laws favor the tenant or do they favor the landlord? And I yeah. think that's interesting, right? It's something to look at when you're looking at a market that you want to invest in. Yeah, absolutely. Especially when, you, when you're doing that at scale, right? If you're buying one house here and there, it's like you might be able to get by because, you know, how often are you doing an eviction if you actually vet the tenants properly, right? But when you start talking about scaling, like I'm at 144, no, 140 units in Florida. So, that's a big deal, right? If I, if I got 10 or 20 people who are not paying their rent, I'm going to want to know how do I, how quickly can I get them out? You know, so as you scale, these types of things become more important. So that's where most of your units are. Out of the units you have, most of them are in Florida? Florida and Texas, yeah. The, the majority is in Florida. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. So um, you, you've scaled this business up. What is the biggest individual building you own? How many units is your biggest building? 140. Oh, because it's one, it's one building that has 140 units? Yeah. Okay. All right. Interesting. All right. So, so my question now is this, though. Um, taking that step to buying the building that big, right? So I, I assume you started out, well, you said a duplex where it's two units, right? 
Yep. Um, what was the biggest uh, lesson you had in terms of not just that you can do it, but the difference in um, owning a 144 unit building versus a building with just two doors? You know, it's actually easier the bigger it gets. Okay. The reason I say that is, you know, I, I, I kind of skipped past the five, six, 10, 20 units mm-hmm. because of the economy of scale. So you asked me about the engineering brain. So when I start looking at deals and I'm looking at the numbers, it's like, I will not do a deal unless I can hire 100% management. Like I need a full-time staff, a full-time team. And so when you have the smaller units, you start dealing with um, less experienced property managers. Uh, Sometimes they're a little more uh, open to say, yeah, I can do that, but they haven't actually done it. And you may not actually pull enough income from those apartment complexes because it's just not enough of them for you to get the proper help. Gotcha. So for me, it's like, all right, I need at least a hundred doors in order to make this thing work out of state. That's amazing, right? That, I, you know, that's an amazing gem right there. I'm going to tell you why, because what you're talking about is something we often talk about, which is lifestyle design. Because what you're saying is that you're not going to buy a building that forces you to have to do work, right? Absolutely. You want to be able to buy something and just let it sit there and the money that it generates will make sure it takes care of itself even without you having to be, you know, somewhere else because you're able to hire a full-time staff. Absolutely. Um, and I guess you figured out the math and how many doors that takes and you said about 100 doors. Man, that's 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 actually that's that's pretty amazing right there. That's pretty amazing. So, you're taking a completely passive approach to the real estate game, huh? passive. Like, so my whole thing now is I have the real estate. It sustains my lifestyle. So now I have an opportunity to go out and do what I love. Right. And I I feel like at this point in life is the first time I'm really living, you know? And so coaching is something that I'm passionate about. I know when I graduated from college, my whole thing was I wanted to be a teacher, but I was like, man, teachers don't get paid enough. And I'm not willing to sacrifice my lifestyle for somebody else's benefit, like, this is not gonna work. I'm gonna go do this engineering thing. And then when I make some money, if I make it soon enough, I'll double back. And so real estate was that opportunity. And um, yeah, so I just- so, it, so that allows you to do what you wanna do, right? So that, that that's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So that and, that, and that's literally, you know, I sit around here on Instagram coming up with videos and ideas and concepts. Um, I sit on calls with people, help them out. That's, that's, that's what I enjoy. You know, I'm all about helping other people build their generational wealth. And my focus is on three things, financial freedom, location freedom, and time freedom. And so now that I have those things for myself, it's my goal to help other people get that. Man, that's amazing. Yo. That's absolutely amazing. And, Fire. and um, so as you're building this up, when did it actually click to you when you said, man, um, and I know you talked about the mentor, like showing you that you can do it, but when did it click to you? Like I can do this completely passive, like where I can just buy a, a big enough building where it runs itself. When did that hit you? And what was that, what was that feeling like when you realized the math? Gotcha. So, so from day one, all of my properties ran themselves. So if we go back to that first duplex, I was over there kind of painting some stuff and getting it ready to go. But that was just because I didn't know a, um, a construction team that I could trust, right? So I, I kind of did some of the painting and stuff like that. I tried to get the place leased out on my own, 
I bumped my head for a while on that. And then I hired um, a realtor to go ahead and place the tenant. And I saw how much quicker and easier it was during that process. Um, but I've always from day one said, I want a property manager because I saw my pops being a property manager. I was like, I'm not doing it. So on every property, all from the very beginning, it was always like the goal is to be 100% hands off. It took me a little figuring things out in the beginning, but now it's like, I won't do a deal. I don't do a deal unless the cash flow allows for 100% management. Got you. Now, finding those, uh, those property managers that you're, that you're okay with, how mm. difficult is that, right? And I'll tell you from my personal experience, I used to own dozens of properties um, out of state, and I actually ended up selling them all and getting out of, getting out of that because um, I didn't have it figured out. I made pretty much every mistake, and I had some terrible property managers. As mm. someone who was investing out of state, how difficult was it for you to find that team or put that team together that you just trust? Um, so I, if I could address, you know, some of the challenges that you had, I think, you know, I don't know what size the units were or anything like that, but that was kind of what I was alluding to earlier is you go through this series of property managers who just don't quite have the, the experience or the expertise. And so it makes it to where you're not able to scale. Right. I, I ran into that for a little bit. It was like, all right, well, I can, I, I, I'm really able to do like the one the two units, the duplexes, but anything above that, it's not quite working out. And so what, what I then said was, all right, let me look at the numbers. If I'm calling people on the phone, first off, property managers are like, oh, we don't go to that side of town. Right. So that's the first <laughs> Yeah. Right. And then some of them are like, you know, they, they got these crazy fees where they want a certain percentage. And then as the asset performs better, then they want more of a percentage of that. So you get into this negotiation of what's our contract going to look like. Uh, but I would say that, you know, it's just like interviewing anybody else that you would want to bring onto your team. If you don't have experience with interviewing people, then think about the interviews that you've been in. Mm -hmm. You know, and you just, I just go through that conversation in that way. Like, Hey, first off, what things am I afraid of? All right. Be honest with myself. Look, I'm afraid that if I hire you guys, um, there's not going to be anybody on site. I'm afraid that, um, you guys are not going to, you know, keep the books correct, you know? And so that's how I leave. Hey, can you talk to me about your process? Tell me how you keep the books. Okay, do you have an example of that? Can you show me that? Do you have a property that's performing well that I can go and visit? So when you start building out the team, that's, you know, it, it starts with just simple phone calls, but being honest with yourself, what am I afraid of? And then ask questions around those fears. All right, man. Thank you. That's yeah. more gems. More bombs gems. out here. Like he ain't even dropping bombs. He ain't even dropping gems. Dropping bombs. Like <laughs> so. You know, <laughs> no, no. I appreciate this, man. So we know that you um that you that you invest in yourself. Let me ask you this question: Would it give us a book or something that has helped you? What is your favorite book? If you have a couple of them, you can name that as what that helped you build your business. Yeah, um, I actually do have a couple. Let me let me see. Uh. We can go, boom. Got him right there. You got him right there. I'm going to go with three right here. All right. So number one, rich dad, poor dad. 
-hmm. And the reason, the reason why, I mean, this is everybody in real estate kind of knows yeah. that. But the reason it's important to me is because um, I was not a reader. In fact, I had never read a book until I read that one. So whenever I got a book report in school, I always kind of cheated my way through that. You know, yeah, yeah. You get, little, get the cliff notes. I got you. Right. So I read that when it opened my eyes um, to what was possible. And it was a point in my life where I was trying to figure out what the success looked like. So it was like right on time. And then the next one was the cash flow quadrants, because that's what opened my mind to um, the different, the four different types of people. I don't know if you guys are already familiar. Listen, we, we, that, we, that, we that, that's our favorite. Yeah, we actually make the argument on. on here that that's actually better than Rich Dad. That's that's the oh. <laughs> we we, we tell people that that's our in terms of what uh, Kiyosaki's work. I think that's his best work. Yeah, absolutely. And and the reason, just to kind of piggyback off of you know maybe the, some people that are watching this, if they hear from somebody else, maybe it, it'll stick, right? Mm -hmm. But the reason that book is so important is because. You know, when he talks about that B&I side, when we talk about properties in another state, that's 100% B&I, right? And so when you're on that B&I, you realize that, you know, if we just back up the E and S, when I see people over here, they're focused on, you know, I'm going to do the property management myself. I'm going to get it leased out myself. And they max out at three, four properties, right? But because I'm on the B&I side, I'm focused on not, like, how do I save $100 on management? But more so, what's my biggest expense? Taxes. So how do I, how do I get around the taxes? And that's the significance of that book. Because I'm like, I'm going to hire all the team that I need. And I'm going to stay focused on that one thing is the taxes. You know, like I told you all, the taxes and the, um, the rules for landlords. Yep. You know, okay. I focus on the growth. Team focuses on that. E&S operations though. <laughs> so what was the third one you had there? The third one is uh, Up From Slavery. Oh, okay. Booker T. Yeah. And so it's big, it's big for me, man, because uh, at the time that I read it, I, I picked up and I moved to D.C. I kind of got a habit of if my wife finds some place that she likes, we don't visit, we move. And so... <laughs> <laughs> That's that location freedom. You, you can yeah. be anywhere, right? Yeah. So um, we ended up moving to D.C. We just decided one weekend. Um, she was like, hey, it's a job out in D.C. I think I want to I wanna, uh, take that opportunity on. I'm like, all right, well, cool. Let's do it. So we flew out to D.C. for a weekend. Um, I, booked a, I booked an appointment with an apartment while I was out there. It was fully furnished. We went by. We looked at it. I said, we'll take it. We went to dinner with our friends. That was a Thursday. We went to dinner with our friends on a Friday. Saturday, we flew back to Houston. We loaded our bags up. We took 10 suitcases. She wanted her blender. I wanted my juice. So we got all the stuff that was. <laughs> we threw that stuff in 10 suitcases and jumped on a plane. We moved to D.C. that weekend. It was there two and a half years. Nice. Nice. But, but the reason I love this book is because um, when I was in D.C., I just felt like I met different types of black people. And I don't mean... I, I don't mean this in any disrespectful type of way, but for me personally, I grew up in the hood and I only knew a certain mentality. I only knew a certain, uh, a, a, a certain like mindset and belief. And so when I got to DC, it was, it was transformative for me because I was like, dang, I'm seeing black men in suits. I'm seeing them walk into these uh, corporate buildings 
in the hood, like there are no corporate buildings. There's nowhere where we wearing a suit unless it's Sunday. And so I was in this like environment where I'm seeing all different levels of black people. And I'm like, man, this is dope. Like this yeah. works for me. That's interesting because that, that, that's why um, a lot of times it's about exposure um, yeah. and just, you know, getting out of your environment and you start to see that things are different. But the funny thing about that is, like, so I, I know that those people exist. Uh, you know, I've been to D.C. and I've seen that. You're just, just having exposure. But I still was blown away when I was in Atlanta. And mm. you go to Atlanta and you see, like, you know, um, the, 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 the black working or upper class there. And, you know, it's, it's, it's different. It's different. But, you know, D.C. was called Chocolate City for a reason. <laughs> no, it is different, though, Corey. You ever been there? I, like, if you, yeah, Corey. No, I, I mean... I, I grew up a lot around Atlanta because my aunt used to be the uh, assistant superintendent of schools in Atlanta. So okay. I, 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 I spent a lot of time. So I don't have that same, you know, that, that it wasn't awe-inspiring and shocking to me because I grew up around it. No, I'm not so saying that it's, it's shocking. It's just that it's a different look, right? If you if you go to most major cities and then you go oh, to... No, 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 no. They don't serve as black people the, the same way Atlanta does. So I understand that. Yeah. But growing up in it, 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 it felt kind of normal. You see what I'm saying? Because mm -hmm. I, I spent a lot of time in it. So, it, you know, when most people come into it, it, it feels different. But for me, it didn't feel different. It felt like the way it should be because I kind of spent a lot of time around. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I know D.C. was called the, the, the chocolate city for a reason. But it was um, a new world for me, man. Yeah. 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 For sure. Yeah. And so that, that that's why I really appreciated this book, because. You know, it caught me at a time where, you know, what I was used to seeing, because when I went into corporate America, it was just, it was all white, right? I come out of corporate America, I'm building teams, I'm trying to keep that team as like black and, 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 and brown as, as I possibly can, but I'm still struggling to figure it out. So I get to DC and it's like, oh, wow, this, this is really dope. But this book talks about his life, you know, from coming from being a slave to being an educator, to being, you know, a public speaker. And so to see that transition and that drive and the focus and dedication, it just, it just really reminded me of myself saying, all right, I'm out the hood, but this is where I want to go. This is where I want to be. And then also with me being a teacher, a coach, seeing his process of how he built Tuskegee University and, you know, going around and collecting money and like bringing the community together. It was just, for me, it was like, dang, this is yeah. time to That's powerful. I like to hear, um, you know, that that's what you took from the book. Cause it's a, it is an amazing piece of work. Um, yeah, man. So listen, this, this, this is all great. Let me ask you this question though. Um, throughout this journey from where you started and you talked about, you know, your upbringing and growing up in the hood and not, and not seeing that to building and scaling out teams and, and, and uh, businesses. What has been your biggest hurdle that you've had to overcome? Mindset. You know, limiting beliefs. We've only seen, I've only seen so much, but every time I went into a new environment, like I said, when I went to Detroit and got with the coach, when I went to, uh, when I went to DC and started seeing other people, it was like, oh, okay. Like I can, I can redefine the way, like the way I describe myself in my head doesn't have to be that way. And so understanding what the possibilities were and just surrounding myself, you know, with that type of energy, that's why I'll pay a coach because I'm like, if I can, 
If I can pay this person to be in a certain environment on a consistent basis, I know I'm going to take something from it. And so getting out of those limiting beliefs was number one. Man, okay, that's dope. That's I, I, but I, one thing I'm taking from this, and and and, and you know, um, one of the reasons we do the, our, our interview series the way we do is also for us to learn and get inspired by others. But one of the things that's inspired me in this is the fact that you're not afraid to invest in yourself. And I've mentioned it already in this episode, but I think that's fairly important just to point out for those watching, uh, because a lot of times we want to make things happen or we want to do things, but we're not willing to invest in ourselves. Yeah. You know, people will say. Uh, what should I invest in? You know, should I buy this stock or should I buy this building? Like the first thing you need to do is invest in yourself, right? Um, investment, man. Get the best return on investment, right? Yep. Any knowledge and information that you put in here, you get to have it until the day you're gone. And then you also are going to teach that to your kids, your grandkids, your nieces, your nephews, your aunts, your uncles. Like a Thanksgiving dinner for my family is completely different. You know, people are coming around me like, hey, what you know about this? My grandma will call me and say, hey, I'm working on this third property over here. Now, what the <laughs> do I need to do? Right? But that's all because I put it in myself. Now I can share it with everybody else. So, you know, I can't share that property with everybody, but I can share this knowledge with everybody, and I don't lose anything by sharing it with them. So. Yo, that is the gym. Right <laughs> That's that's the show. That's the that's the show title, right? (laughs) Yeah, I don't lose anything by sharing. Like that's 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 really what you know. We really built our business around. We don't lose anything by sharing. Like a lot of people think you lose by sharing. Nah, man, you give it away, and and people will bring you gifts. Absolutely, they would just just hand you gifts. Absolutely, so. I, you know, when people, you know, we, we talk about mindset a lot, you know, abundance mindset versus, you know, the, the other mindsets that are not so abundant. Yeah. And so, you know, when people have a less than abundant mindset, they start to hoard things and, and try to hold on to them. Instead, when you give things away, the, the universe will get that energy right back to you. Like, you, you got you to gotta give to get, you know what I mean? Like, when you give, people give back, you know what I mean? And so... That, that's the kind of mindset that, you know, will allow you to be able to make the, you know, the money or make whatever kind of sacrifices and all of that stuff. When you constantly give, people will give back. I mean, and let's be honest, though, right? The feeling of giving is a lot better anyway, right? I, I, I was having this conversation with my wife and I was talking about her birthday coming up in December. And I'm like, you know, so what you want to do? You know, with COVID, we supposed to go on vacation. But now what you want to do? And she's like, I don't want anything. I said, well, this really ain't about you. <laughs> I like giving you gifts for the way it makes me feel. It's not really about you. Your gift is about me. Let's be honest. But anyway, man, um, hey, so let me ask you this question, man. Um, I want to have you all day, but let me ask you this. Are you completely invested in real estate or do you have any uh, alternative investments or anything you're into? Oh, yeah. Uh, I got quite a few things going on. It all started with the real estate. Real estate feeds everything else. But, you know, of course, we all want to be diversified. So, um, I kind of reached a point where within the real estate, I'm like, all right, let me try a few other things. So I took the money from the real estate and now I own uh, 11 different pieces of intellectual property. Um, I have an app, copyrights, trademarks. I invest in crypto, stock, bonds, mutual funds, pretty much everything. Okay. Okay. Nice. Nice. Uh, yeah. Crypto, crypto stocks, everything. Fully diversified. Yeah, that's, that's one of the beautiful things of having that financial location and time freedom, right? So I, I have the free time to where I can sit down and learn and understand the ins and outs of all of these other vehicles. 
and then I have the money to pay somebody to teach me what I don't know. And I have the, the flexibility and location to say, all right, I'm gonna pull it, I'm come to you. Can you show me? So you know what's interesting about this is you're the second straight guest who uh you know talked about real estate as being the foundation and then got into other things. Um and both of you guys mentioned crypto. That's why I asked you a quick question about crypto. What do you how do you feel about crypto? Do you really believe it's the future? And um if so, uh, what are you doing to position yourself within the crypto space? You know, what really made sense to me about the crypto was the fact that, and I don't want, I don't want anybody to take this as investment advice. Oh yeah, no, 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 no. This is just, just given his yeah. experience, not investment advice. Absolutely. My, my personal opinion. Uh, I've poured through 10 or 15 different books. Um, when I get into something, I'm going to watch, you know, 200 hours of YouTube. I'm going to hire somebody. I'm going to read the books. I'm going to do it all. And me being in DC, I was in a position to where a lot of authors come through DC. So I would literally go to the book signing or whatever event they have and sit down and talk to them. And just understanding the technology, the types of rooms that these people are in, like these people are in the decision room. Like when, the, when presidents and people are sitting down and they're making decisions, it's like, oh, and you wrote a book about this and you believe in it? I know you have access to something I don't. Hey, we just talking about this the tenants money anyway. This ain't my money. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm gonna take a shot on it, right? And just I, I'm I got an engineering background. I took computer programming um when I was in high school and in college. So I kind of know a little bit about technology. And I'm just like, I believe in it. I believe in the technology, I believe in the concept, the theory. Do I know that governments and the powers that be, are they going to allow this to actually come to pass? I don't know, but I'm in a position to take that risk. Yeah, uh, that's amazing, man. That's amazing. So uh, stocks, bonds, crypto. You also talked about uh, intellectual property, which is, which is dope as well. Another piece of property that we don't talk enough about is that intellectual property. Man, listen. This the, is app, the app. The app um, what, is, what is the app, by the way? So, so the app is to teach and coach people on how to get their finances in order. So um, I used to go to Ivy League universities and teach people about, you know, creating budgets, paying off debt, putting themselves in a position to be able to invest. But that conversation got repetitive and I wanted to focus on, you know, making the money. So I went out, I built an app that would kind of handle that aspect of things so that people could get themselves prepared so when they come to me for coaching, it's like they already have the foundation of the budget. And what's the name of the app? It's Mogul, M-O-G-O-A-L. It's Mogul okay. Coaching. Okay. I'm All right. Sorry. So, I, I missed the last part of that. Mobile what coaching? M-O-G-O-A-L. Mogul yeah. co oh, Coaching. Yeah, Mogul. So we'll put that. At, we'll put it, uh, the link for the uh, app and everything in the description. Because um, cool. that, that's your brand, the Mogul brand. I have seen that. Um. Oh, man, this is amazing, man. First of all, thank you for sharing, uh, you know, um, your knowledge and your story and being transparent. I want to say we appreciate you, man. Um, and uh, Corey, you got any last questions? I do. So um, when you when you were transitioning from, you know, from place to place and you and your wife like to go place to place, what were those conversations like? Like, so, you know, I like the, the interpersonal, the I like to ask the interpersonal questions. So when you go, 
you know, when your wife says, I want to go to D.C. and take this job, what are those conversations like? How do y'all decide, like, this is the right move or, you know, or, or you know, was there contention, you know, in, yeah. in making those moves? Yeah. So the, the conversation within our household may be a little different from everybody else, but uh, me and my wife are partners on everything, right? And I would say that she brings just as much, if not more, to the table than I do. And every deal that I do, you know, she she's an engineer as well. When we moved to DC, she transitioned into consulting. So we kind of bounce ideas off of each other and we, we move together as a unit, right? But normally the way this stuff goes is she'll come to me and she'll say, I got this idea, but it's kind of wild. And she'll just throw it out there and she'll move on. I'm like, all right, well, I can make that shit happen. You want to do it? And then she's like, oh, and she started getting a little scared. I'm like, nah, let's let's go test it. And so that was the that was the weekend that we spent in DC. And it's like, all right, we tested it. What you want to do it? Now, I did leave the house that we were living in vacant, right? It, fully furnished, lights on, water, gas, everything for nine months in case she wanted to come back home. Okay. But, <laughs> We went out there, we tried it, and then once I got to the nine months, I kept saying, like, let's put this thing on Airbnb. She's like, I don't want nobody in my bed. <laughs> <laughs> that brings me to another question. Good question, by the way, Corb. Um, the question I have is um, having someone as a partner that sees your vision and you guys work together, how important is it to have a spouse that you can build with um, when it comes to business? Second best investment, right? If number one is in yourself, that's the second best because that person is in your ear and on your ass all day, every day. <laughs> and, and, and they can pull you in the opposite direction or they can push you and say, let's go. And, and that's the benefit of having somebody who's, you know, I always tell my wife, any, anytime we, we kind of have a disagreement, I'm like, look, we can continue to run in opposite directions or we can get shoulder to shoulder and we can run through some shit. Yeah. I heard that. <laughs> it's bars. Yeah, man. You, you sure you wasn't a rapper in a previous life? You out here dropping bars, <laughs> man. Like, nah, I, mean, I listened to enough of it. <laughs> I, I, I think that might be original, though. <laughs> <laughs> That's dope, man. Ed, man, just want to say thank you, man. Listen, thanks for sharing your story, man. We're going to make sure we clip out all the good stuff you said about your wife so she can see that, see that, you know. Oh, man. <laughs> you got a highlight reel for your, for your lady. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we, we just want to make sure um that she sees that. But listen, we want to say thank you, uh, Continue all the work you do and continue to uh, teach the people and help the people because I think that's also important to highlight that not only have you built up this amazing business that allows you to have the freedoms that you have, but you give back to others. You're constantly teaching. Um, I see you on lives all the time. You know, like I said, I follow your social media. You have a very active Instagram account, which is amazing. I'm going to make sure we put the link to that in yeah. the description. You've given us amazing books and just a lot of valuable content. I think people will find a lot of value in this episode. So I definitely just want to say thank you. Ooh, I appreciate that, man. Yeah, man. So um, listen, for everybody out there, make sure that you subscribe, hit the like button, share it, all the good stuff that you do uh, on the socials with this content. Make sure you look and see what Ed has going on. And, um, you know, maybe you want to take advantage of his coaching because the guy's out here helping people do what he did, which is scale an amazing business and give himself freedom. So we're going to make sure we put all this information within the description box. Ed, again, thank you. And for our audience out there, as we always say, it's not about how much money you make. It's about how much you keep. Game elevates and we'll see you on the next episode. Peace. Peace.
Yeah.